I think that often the expectations on women are higher than men in, in the same role. And those expectations come both from ourselves in some instances, but also very much from, from our organizations. And so, you know, I think that there's part of the responsibility really falls on the company rather than the individual to actually make those changes and really kind of help women along their journey. Hello, I'm Tizzy Philp, and welcome to In Conversation With, the latest podcast series from Valtech Cafe. In this three-part series, we'll be marking this year's International Women's Day theme of hashtag choose to challenge by speaking to women from across the digital spectrum to hear more on their take of the current state of the industry, what it takes to thrive, and how we can pay it forward. We'll cover diversity and inclusion policies, the impact of covid the accelerating pace of change, what it means to find balance, and why it's just as important to have the confidence to say yes as it is to say no. In a tumultuous year, we've seen changes in all aspects of our societies and our lives. We've all felt the impact of a global pandemic, despaired at the heightened political tensions across the world, and been boosted by the notable shift in the call to arms for more diversity. This has been the year where words and promises took the back seat to the power of actual action and commitment. And as the volume continues to be turned up on those voices, we're excited to see the pace of change. Could it be that our lockdown lives have also given us some long overdue clarity? In this first episode of three, we're talking about what we see. How has the industry developed over the last few years? Where are we seeing the focus shift and the opportunities and challenges that lie ahead? I'm beyond excited to be joined by four brilliant women to talk more. Joining me today, we've got Ingrid Olmerstahl, Strategic Agency Partner Lead at Microsoft. She's also a member of the BEMA 100 and BEMA Sustainability Council member. She's also a Tech London Advocate. I've got Harpreet Bushell, Chief Growth Officer at Lab Group, Forbes Council member, BEMA 100 member, and Inclusion and Diversity Council member. Then we've got Sandra Brundell. Sandra is a senior project manager at Valtech Sweden, and in the past has founded a network for the female tech employees at the largest commercial TV channel in Sweden. She is constantly striving to improve the area of conscious leadership. Finally, we've got Una Verhoeven, global psychoarchitect at Valtech based in the Netherlands, and member of Subcon Europe, Subcon Global, and the Sitecore Hackathon. So thank you all of you for joining me. It's really great to have you on the podcast. In a sign of the times, it would be amiss of us to dodge the impact COVID has had on the current work climate and our experiences. And I'm wondering, Sandra, what have been the primary things you've seen changing? Well, Obviously, working from home has been a huge change for those of us who normally have an office to go to. I mean, some of that change has been good, like spending less time on commuting, which leaves more time for other things like families or hobbies. Um, And I know that research shows that work efficiency has gone up when people have been working from home, which I I really can relate to. Uh, I don't think I've ever gotten as much done as I have in this past year. Personally, the way that working remotely has affected me is that my role has evolved, I would say, a lot due to me being able to get some perspective on what we're working on and how we're not being seated smack in the middle of it. Uh, 
I think that's been a really big change. Spending time away from the office actually helps improve uh, the work we're doing. But on the other side, things have obviously been really hard and trying too, like taking care of children at home while you're trying to perform well at work, often at the exact same time. And I think that enough people have seen my three-year-old doing somersaults over the laptop screen to last me a lifetime. (laughs) I definitely have. (laughs) Yeah, you have. (laughs) And the borders between work and life have been erased, I would say, for a lot of us. And I think that a lot of people have had a hard time actually stop working when the workday is over, and that isn't great. But I would say, you know, this pandemic won't last forever. And what I hear some discussions about now, and I would love to hear more discussions about, is how to use everything we've learned about working remotely during this past year to create better opportunities for people to have the working life set up that would suit them the best. Obviously, I know that Twitter talked about this early on and said that coming back to the office, even after COVID, would be optional. And this was, of course, already part of their plan. But I think all tech companies especially would benefit from having a broader perspective on this offer, you know, by letting people choose how they want to work, um, like working full time from the office or some days from home and other days in the office or even working from you know, another country full time. And at the same time, figure out how to make sure that the social side of working isn't lost and that those maybe working remotely full time aren't getting left out. Um, If traveling to the office is a problem, can micro offices be open where employees can work sometimes closer to their home? Can managers maybe rotate between such offices or whatever solutions need to be put in place? And I think that this is probably something that will be important for people when picking uh, their next employer in the future. Uh, I'm pretty sure that if tech employers would offer that type of flexibility, it would actually mean an opportunity to bring more women into the workforce. I mean, a lot of women that I know of work part-time or are taking breaks in their careers to care for small children and offering them a way to work that's actually suitable for them. I think that that's something that could make a difference. And not to, not to mention using our newfound ability, and I'm of course talking about our new expertise in making video calls and collaborating digitally to work with people across the globe and further di- diversifying our teams and companies. But I don't think that these things won't just happen on their own. And I hope that actual plans for these offers and ideas will emerge as we get out of this pandemic and into the future. And I'm super curious to hear how the discussion has been going on all of your other companies or offices in regards to flexibility and where you work after COVID. Has it been discussed at all so far? Interesting that you're talking about that, Sandra, because I saw in the press this morning about Spotify now opening up the working to their employees without making any changes to the pay. So employees at Spotify are now allowed to work anywhere in the world that they want to without it impacting on the other aspects of uh, of their employment, which I think is is a really great move. And maybe it will take other big tech companies like that to make those kind of decisions, huge global decisions for others to follow suit. I absolutely hope so. And I think that that will be something that will be, you know, it will be a competition almost between companies. Because if you don't have that type of offer, you might not get picked from, from the type of people you want to attract to the company. Mm. And as I said, I think that it would be really, really good for 
women and diversifying the teams to not just having to look for diversity within you know the city limits or whatever yeah when it comes to diversity and inclusion initiatives because this is something else that has has been big news this year whether that's because of the political situation driving that agenda forward driving that uh, the value of or the importance of that that forward what have you noticed over the last 12 months would you say and maybe this is one for Ingrid have you seen with all of your experience at Microsoft or in the the general working world have you seen a big change when it comes to DNI initiatives thanks Tizzy um so before I touch on the the last 12 months because obviously that's been you know an extremely unusual period for for all of us with um with covid um I, I you know I just wanted to step back and think about kind of progress over the last 3 to 6 years you know and I think there's been steady slow progress um both in terms of increases in women in the workplace and also women in um roles of leadership Although, you know, despite those gains in leadership, and I certainly feel in my, you know, surrounding um, businesses that I look to that there are more and more women in in senior roles, there is still this gap in terms of, you know, the first step into a manager role. And I think, you know, the data shows that six years in a row, women taking that first step into a manager role are failing to get there compared to their, their male counterparts. And I think certainly, you know, that that places a real challenge when we think about younger women who are disconnected from those aspirational leaders and feel like it's unachievable to to get there. Unfortunately, I think, you know, the last 12 months hasn't made the um, situation any better. You know, I'm really optimistic. I think, you know, Sandra just mentioned about flexibility and you know some changes in terms of the workplace, which I think absolutely will support um, women. We've also seen around kind of parental leave and other things that companies are are offering. But few companies are really taking steps to adjust the norms and expectations that they have put on employees. You know, we all know and are probably experiencing stress and burnout, and women are seen to be impacted a lot more than that. Also. Unfortunately, again, looking at the data, but redundancy and furlough schemes disproportionately affect women and have disproportionately affected women of color. And so the data is pretty depressing. I think, you know, reading a McKinsey article earlier today, it's due to set women back by by 10 years. You know, I don't want to I don't want to stop there because I think there is, you know, there is an optimistic approach that that we can take. But for me, it's more than just about flexibility, which I think, Sandra, you know, I love that point um, around, you know, how do we embrace flexibility? Also, you know, how does flexibility not impact the pay that you take home? But also, you know, how do we take employee well-being first and foremost? How do we build organizations that are built on empathy, a sense of trust and belonging? Because um, I think, you know, really that supports women, but equally kind of supports everybody within, um, within, the, within the workplace, thinking about, you know, Gen Z, millennials, all kind of coming into the workplaces. How do we build places that are more appealing places to retain and attract um, the best people? I've started seeing it with Microsoft, but I do think that, 
you know, not enough businesses are doing enough to really make sure that all of the elements that impact women and everyone are really, really properly um, looked into. Thanks, Ingrid. And Sandra, would you have any response to that? Something I was thinking about now uh, when you were speaking, Ingrid, is um, I think that women, uh, more often than men, and I'm pretty sure their research to support this, do extra work at the office, you know, like making coffee for meetings and things like that. Do you think that if we work less at the office, could that lead to women focusing more on, you know, the actual work and helping them in their career? Could that be like a positive side effect to the point that you brought up so well about uh, women not getting that first stepping stone in, into a managing role? Um, I think so. And I think more than just doing more in the workplace, I think that often the expectations on women are higher than men in, in the same role. And those expectations come both from ourselves in some instances, but also very much from, from our organizations. And so, you know, I think that there's part of the responsibility really falls on the company rather than the individual to actually make those changes and really kind of help women along their journey. Yeah, I completely agree. There needs to be, you know, plans and policies and not saying that women should should change the way they work. So I, I agree with that. Harpreet, I want to bring you into the conversation now because you've undertaken the additional complexity of changing jobs during the last year. And I'm wondering how easy that experience was with, with everything else that's been going on. And what have you seen? So I think I've spoken to a lot of people who have since started jobs because I, I started in April. So it was very hard because we were only about two to three weeks during the lockdown. And I have a two year old who was a year and a half at the time and we had no nursery. And I think like loads of Ingrid's points were great and think that there has been um, a lot of negative impact on women in the workplace in terms of furloughs, uh, more likely to be redundancy and taking on some of more of the labour. But personally, I think um, it it was quite useful for the first time to level the playing field in some aspects. I think there was a lot of people at home which were the, for the first time were realising how the division of labour is not equal in a lot of households and how a lot of the stuff, the kind of unseen stuff that goes around kind of prepping the children, their school bag, the, um, the thinking that goes into just running a family household was a bit more... Um, spread out and I think also it was everyone who had children of that age was in the same place whether they were men or women and I think that we have an opportunity now to start leveling that playing field in a way that we haven't before especially for me I found um, kind of because I was quite a new mum and in a very male orientated sales role for getting back into work even though I was only off work for six months was quite hard in terms of doing the later meetings, um, doing the drinks, the networking, and having to arrange that and constantly negotiate. Whereas I think having taken away some of the stresses of that and kind of Sandra's points of like the office expectations of who orders the lunch for the meeting, gets the tea and clears away and stuff, I 
think there is an opportunity now where we can reset culture and really think about how do we want to set up these workplaces and how do we make life and our working aspects more equal for people, whatever their situation is. Um, I sit on the Beamer Diversity and Inclusion Council, and one of the things that we tried to do last year was putting together um, kind of help facts for different kind of protected characteristics. And um, from a personal perspective, one of the ones I did was looking at pregnancy and women in work. And it was there have been a lot of laws and a lot of companies that have changed policies, but when you look at um, the culture and the stats, actually a lot of the problem is um, the culture that we still have in companies. Like men still felt that it would damage their careers to take off extended parental leave or it wasn't seen as manly to be um, stay-at-home parents. So where I think in a lot of these aspects of making society more equal, we have done what we need to in certain respects of um, the law and company policies but not enough has been done of changing the culture and the mindset of people which I think because of the state we are in now we have the opportunity to do that in a, a new and a fresh way and, and really have an impact going forwards. Some really good points there Harpreet. Una what's your take on all of this? Yeah, I had a very kind of similar experience, experience as well, because I joined Valtec in February and in March we went into lockdown and no one was going to the office. And by being part of the global, you're supposed to work with many other offices. And I just met my team in February and then, you know, that was it. But I actually am seeing this a bit on the positive side. Uh, I think it raised the awareness that we are more oriented to the human factor, which we were not at the office anymore, because I think we respect people's time a bit better than what we used to. I think we became a bit more efficient in how we manage our time in terms of looking into priorities, but also we became respectful that we are all people, even though we work in IT, we work with humans. And, you know, we were seeing, you know, uh, kids coming in, into the calls, uh, pets coming into the calls. And, you know, something like that you would not expect at the office, but here it was acceptable and it is accepted and it's actually bringing a smile to our faces. You know, it shifts a day a bit. Of course, it's difficult to manage it when you work from home. But I think that, you know, if you look at nine to five job, of course, some people prefer to have that separation. But I think that we were able in a way, in a weird way to balance it out in a sense that at least for me, because I had entire company available on a click of a button, to actually meet people much faster than if I would need to go from one office to the other office and actually meet them in person. So I think in a weird way, this has actually brought us more together internally. Of course, it does have an impact on the private life, but there are positives of it. And I think that when we come back, when the time comes to the offices, I, I don't think it will be the same, but I think that we will be more respectful of each other in a way. Ingrid, I'm going to bring you back in there. Is this something that you found? Is this something you agree with? I completely agree on both of those those points. I actually wanted to offer um, a slightly different perspective on this because, you know, I think as organizations internally, um, you know, we're, we're embracing some of the positives around um, the changes we're seeing. 
but also, you know, I've seen some great examples of organizations that are actually looking at diversity and inclusion much beyond an internal initiative, but actually really, you know, how do they use this to actually grow their businesses and become part of a um, growth strategy? And, you know, I'm not meaning that businesses are making sure that they don't field an all-white, all-male pitch team um, or losing a candidate for the, the same reason, but actually those businesses that are making DNI part of their offerings to, to customers. So one of my partners, WPP, have done this really, really well is actually how do they use their products and services to help their business um, bring about the change. And I, you know, I really like that kind of shift in thinking about it from a, we need to grow our business. Oh, and, you know, make sure that we have diversity inclusion on, on the outside, but actually, you know, knowing the change in perception and knowing that society, both customers and clients are no longer accepting a lack of diversity as being okay. How do you bring this into kind of a central, most um, important function within your organization to build sustainable growth? I think it's such a good point, making it as standard and and also this idea that in the roles that we play in the agencies that we work for, the organizations that we work for, we're able to to help our clients to build that agenda into, into their work as well and deliver better work as, as a result of it. Una, we've obviously talked about the impact of COVID, the recent political situations, expansion of DNI initiatives across businesses. I'm wondering what your impression is on how companies are actually acting on these policies. You know, as a technologist, as an architect, what are you seeing in the day to day? I have to say that in the last several years, we are becoming more aware of everything that is happening around us and the world around us, and the same is applicable for the companies. And if you look at just from the external perspective, there have been so many nonprofit organizations and also the developers communities who started organizing uh, women in tech, women who code, girls who code, girls in tech and various other areas. And also the resources have become even more available to the techies. So now it's far easier if you want to actually take the developer's role compared to when you had to go through the entire university. So back in my days, even Stack Overflow didn't exist. And if I look at it from the company perspective, we are looking into more broad and diverse audience. Also in the terms of the way how we hire, the language that we use, you know, uh, there are certain words that are more applicable for men than there are for women. And I, I think that we are starting to balance it out uh, rather well. Of course, there are plenty of things that can be done in the future and there, you know, we're still not there yet. But just by acknowledging it and starting it from somewhere, it's already a step in the right direction for the future. These are not things that we can change overnight. It's been decades of different way of working in a different mindset. So it will take time. But I look at this as the investment in the future. In particular, I'm saying there is, because I'm from Eastern Europe, there is a big difference between Eastern and Western Europe. In Eastern Europe, you have far more women in tech uh, at the universities, within the companies, uh, within the leadership. And I think it's more of a mindset there compared to the Western Europe, but I'm seeing also the change happening in Western Europe as well, uh, where women are taking the developers and technical roles. Uh, After they finish university, um, I know several of them who went from art and history to become some of the most fantastic developers that I've met. I think we are getting there. 
but we still have a lot of work to do. Harpreet, we were talking uh, a while ago about this impact of the media on how we view our roles, how we view women in technology, how we view diversity in the workplace and in wider society. And I know that this conversation is focusing in on uh, you know, women in technology or how we see the state of the industry that we work in, tech and digital. How influenced do you think we are being or the wider world is being by what we're seeing in the media at the moment? I think in terms of tech and digital, I think with the changes that have happened in the last year and Black Lives Matter, especially in advertising, we're seeing a lot more diversity. And I think um, at times there has been pushback in terms of like the Tesco's Christmas advert of there being too much diversity and uh, what traditionally white people appearing the minority in those adverts. But I think it's it's good for us to be able to be doing this to this level because it's normalizing it so much. It's seeing, um, it's kind of over-representing those diversities. And I think where it, it does happen and it creates a conversation, it's good because it brings it out in the forum. People are able to debate it and say why it's happening and say that it's not just kind of a left opinion or kind of over-emphasizing something. It's about trying to make change. And I think for women in particular, I think we talked about the the government guidelines about staying at home and the first image that they recorded were women in very stereotypical roles. So I think it was the man was um, dealing with his car and then there was the the scene of looking after the children, kind of the ironing and the cooking were all female roles. And what's great is that now we've got such a strong social media presence that there was such a strong backlash instantly. I think within even 24 hours, the government had taken it down and they'd created another image which was very much focused on having a very equal division of labor and um, showing men and women in each setting so I think um, change may have only been incremental in certain stages but I think now as a society we can hold people accountable really quickly when we see what's happening is wrong and people are a lot more aware of just like Una said, like using the right pronouns, uh, using the right imagery and making sure that we're not um, just re-emphasizing through digital media or advertising polarization of sexes and traditional roles as we've always seen them. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really important point. And the other thing I wanted to talk about was Sandra, you know, when we were working around uh, the messaging for this podcast, what the kind of things that we wanted to include, what we felt was really important. You actually mentioned something that was really interesting, which was don't confuse womanhood with motherhood in the workplace. And I wondered if you could give us some more on that point. Yeah, and that was actually my mistake because I I thought the theme for this podcast was was really, really interesting and I wanted to discuss it. And luckily, someone had just taken upon themselves to create a a Women in Baltic channel for our office. And um, so I threw out a question. What do you think about this? What's, what's your opinion? What's been done? What's not been done? And I started talking from my own perspective and talking and talking about being a mother and having the children at home at the same time as you're trying to do work and everything else I mentioned. And someone went in and said, you know what, but don't confuse, you know, woman with motherhood it's not the same thing not all women are mothers and I thought that was such an such an excellent point which also need to be you know brought into this that just because we're women we're not all the same and that was sort of my point in the beginning too that we need to 
adjust the, our ways of working so it suits the individual needs. And I think that that will be important going forward. I think that's a way for companies to compete. Will they be flexible for your specific situation or not? Your situation is not going to be the same as someone else's situations. Even if you have kids, both of you, you're not the same person. You don't have the same needs or wants. And I think that will be really, really important. And how about you, Una? What's your take on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking from, from both sides uh, because people automatically assume just because you're a woman, you immediately have kids. Uh, I'm not one of them. So I'm, I accept that people need to take their time off to, to deal with children, to drop off. Uh, we're working from home. Children get sick. But sometimes, you know, you get a feeling that us who do not have children are kind of left out, if I can say it like that, even though it sounds very blunt and maybe harsh. But... Um, everyone has um, certain issues to deal with. And uh, just because we do not have children does not imply that we don't have a certain uh, personal aspect of us that we need to deal with as well. And I think that is something that we might miss a bit in this COVID areas, because of course, when you have kindergartens being locked down, you simply, it's very difficult to actually do the work compared to us who do not have children. And Harpy, Obviously, you've just had uh, your first daughter. What, what's your what's been your experience? Um, yeah, I just I wanted to take it away from motherhood as well. On Una's point, I think it's very easy to um, get focused on our own perspective. And I think what has been really interesting is so at um, Lab we do a lot of stuff into audience insights and looking at trends. And a lot of what we do around that is looking at new culture. So we did um, a survey around younger people and what their outlook was on 2021 was very interesting. There was a lot of hope for, um, a lot of optimism really around kind of the words they were using. And having spoken to different people, I think um, it's easy for us as people a bit more established in our careers to say there's kind of the positives of the redressing the balance or to be a bit more worried because we've got more invested in our careers or houses or whatever. But I think there's a lot of young people that are really seeing the optimism and seeing what opportunities this brings. Um, like one person at work said, yeah, of course we're optimistic. We can just work wherever we want now. Like um, Ingrid's now working from South Africa. Like she does have the opportunity and the flexibility working for an international organization to be somewhere else. And I think for, um, people that are younger and different stage of their career and don't have children I think it's important to still think that everyone is a person with their different facets as Zuna said and they have their own interests and their own priorities out of work and making sure that everyone's got that work-life balance of where they are and, and then are able to take the opportunities of um, how work life will be different coming out of COVID. Thanks, Abby. And I think uh, looking at the time, that's probably the best place for us to wrap up this conversation and end. I just want to thank you all so much for being part of this conversation. Uh, it could have gone on for a lot longer, I'm sure. Um, we've got two more episodes to come. So hopefully the conversation will continue with another group of uh, brilliant women. But for now, I wanted to thank you all so much for being involved. And I hope to catch up with you all soon. You've been listening to part of the In Conversation With series from Valtech Cafe. Why not subscribe and keep up to date with the latest audio content from Valtech team? And to find out more about who we are and what we do, 
you can visit veltech.com for all the details. Until next time, thanks for listening.